0: Let's celebrate life with a little bubbly. Welcome to Bubbles of Wisdom Podcast. I am Danny, the
1: artist. And I am Maggie, the law librarian. We are cousins
0: and best friends. With this bi-weekly podcast, we engage in meaningful and entertaining conversations about work, love, health, and of course, sparkling love. We share our life
1: experiences as women over 50 so all women embrace who they are and feel empowered as they age. As you know, October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month and this is a tough subject for our family. We have lost members of our family to breast cancer and other cancers.
0: Yes, that is true. Our grandmother passed away from breast cancer. That's right. And also my sister, Dorothy, passed away from breast cancer. She was only 26 when she discovered a lump. And uh, then after that, you know, she battled for about six years, but unfortunately she lost the battle and uh, the cancer had totally metastasized and she passed away and left uh, behind a three-year-old daughter, which was really hard. Yeah, it was hard.
1: Actually, that was the first... um young death in our family. So it was actually really shocking. Yes, it was. Before we introduce our guest, and since it is October, Cancer Awareness Month, we wanted to share some statistics. According to cancer.org website, breast cancer is the most common cancer in American women, except for skin cancer. The average risk of a woman in the United States developing breast cancer sometime in her life is about 13%. This means there is a 1 in 8 chance
0: she will develop breast cancer. Wow, those numbers are staggering. And the American Cancer Society estimates that for breast cancer in the United States for 2001, about 281,000 new cases of invasive cancer will be diagnosed in women. About 43,000 women will die from breast cancer and that is a really big numbers
1: at this time there are more than 3.8 million breast cancer survivors in the United States this includes women still being treated
0: and those who have been completed their treatment and uh, with us today we do have a survivor We are here today with Jen Rosenbaum. She's a photographer, a boudoir photographer. She's a mom. She's a woman. She's a survivor. She's a very strong person. And she is part of the statistics that we've been mentioning. She survived cancer. And in her own words, we would love to hear her story. Hi, Jen. Welcome. Welcome.
2: Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. As you're reading those statistics, I'm feeling so emotional. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because when you say like 13, a woman has a 13% chance of getting diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime, it doesn't seem like that big of a number. But when you say one in eight, it's yes,
1: like, oof. oof. And mm-hmm. it's interesting that you said that. Um, I was also reading a New York Times article where they talked about that breast cancer survivors find that October is a cruel month um, because they're constantly reminded of what they've gone through or are going through. And I just want to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. It's extremely emotionally draining. <clears throat> we always like, you know, I mean, I'm a breast cancer advocate. I do a lot of advocacy work. So I'm doing this all year round. But when it's in your face every minute, of it, every day, it's, it's difficult. And I think one of the things that's the most difficult about it is what's called pink washing. I don't know if you guys have heard about paint washing, but it's really about all these companies that are using breast cancer awareness as an excuse for marketing and making money. Yes. And it's really frustrating, you know? Um, and a lot of them are, are making money off products that cause cancer. So- Or they're using and abusing the advocates and saying, you know, can you talk about our products and can you, you know, or we'll donate money if you buy these three things in our lineup, even though we have, you know, you know, so it's, um, it is pretty exhausting. And it's funny you say it because yesterday I did a breast cancer walk um, with my son. It was the first time we really participated in a walk. I thought I was going to be ready last year, but obviously COVID had different plans. So Mm -hmm. this year we decided, okay, we're going to do the walk. And it was wonderful, and I raised money, and the team I was on raised almost fifty thousand dollars. It was amazing. Wow, that's yeah. amazing! Fantastic, great, amazing, positive stuff. And I hated it. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "This is just not how I want to show up in the community." It felt yes. very, um, I don't know how to explain it. It just felt very um, commercial and very you know, and, and it's hard because they're doing amazing work. It's not even like they're not doing amazing work. It's just, it's, not, you know, everybody has to participate in breast cancer awareness in their own way. And for some women that is just hiding from it, you know, like yes, maybe I don't exactly. want to buy pink bagels and pink hummus and pink, you know, I love pink. Pink is my favorite color in the whole wide world. Always has been always will be, but like not everything needs to be pink all the time. Right, right.
1: Yeah. That's true. Yes. That's true.
2: And it is exhausting. Yeah, it's very interesting what you said because I
0: used to do the walk for cancer Mm -hmm. every year and I got to the point where I was so fed up and I felt that it was not giving the results that I would want to see.
1: Mm.
0: It was like year after after year after year, we kept walking, we kept walking and I'm like, but still, people are dying of cancer. Yes. And I'm not seeing anyone truly advocating for the survivors or for the fighters. Right. It was all about, you know, let's raise money for research. Yes. But.
1: And how much of it is actually mm-hmm. right going to where it says. Yeah. You mentioned in your post that it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. How was your cancer initially detected? Is it yeah. through BSE uh, or CBE or an annual mammogram?
2: Yeah, it was through a self exam. Um, So one statistic that you didn't mention that I'd like to mention, if that's okay, Mm -hmm. is that only about fifteen percent of breast cancers are genetically related. So it's it's very interesting because the first question you get asked when you're diagnosed is, "Oh, do you have a family history?" It's like the first question any any doctor asks you, any anything anybody always asks, "Oh, do you have a family history?" And I feel that when they ask that question, although obviously it's important, Mm -hmm. um, there is a implication that um, that's probably why you got breast cancer. And that's that's why most women do. And that's actually not the truth. So, you know, somebody like me who didn't have family history, doesn't have genetics, Mm -hmm. didn't have any health issues. I was in the best shape of my life. I was doing all the right things. And then all of a sudden felt something in my breast. I was like, well, it's not breast cancer. I mean you know, I don't have any family history, so I'm good. Or I wasn't even really adamant about doing cancer or or, sorry, excuse me, breast checks, because like, why would I need to? I was 40 years old, 41 years old, again, no family history. So I only noticed it because I took a picture of myself and I noticed a shadow on my chest that was like, you know, if I wasn't a photographer, I probably wouldn't have even known. And I kind of started feeling around and here's another thing. There's two different types of breast cancer. There's ductal carcinoma and lobular carcinoma. In ductal carcinoma, the, um, you, it forms a lump. Like it's what you're taught to feel for, right? Like a piece. Okay. I had invasive lobular carcinoma and lobular does not have a protein that ha- makes the cancer cells stick together to form a lump. So what happened was it started feeling like a swollen muscle. Like it was long and it was large and it just wasn't the lump that I was taught to feel for. So I just didn't recognize it as breast cancer.
1: That's very important to know because we, we,
0: we look for the lump. We look for the lump. Definitely. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. So I waited, uh, I said, I have, I have an appointment scheduled, so I'll wait. My appointment was actually a few months later and it was a a follow-up appointment to the doctor seeing some cysts a few months prior. So I went in, it was just meant to be for a sonogram. I went in, they did a sonogram analysis. They said everything looks exactly the same as last time. You're fine. Come, you know, you'll come back in six months. And I was like, you know what, before I leave, can you do me a favor and just look at whatever this thing is? Now, where my cancer was was very high up on my on my right breast. So it wasn't like in the in the thick of the breast or the bulk of the breast. And mm. thank God, because I never would have found it. Invasive lobular carcinoma, people die more from that than ductal because it's very hard to detect. Oh, wow. So um, he put. He looked at it and he was like, "Whoa! Like, what is this?" So he put a titanium marker in. He biopsied it. He did a mammogram. It didn't show up on the mammogram at all.
1: You see, that's. A, yeah, I'm that's glad a, you mm-hmm. brought that up. That is so important the because the insurance the people want you to do the mammogram. If there's nothing there, they're not going to allow you to follow. Follow up. That's right. Right. And the so, sonogram
0: is just as important.
2: Yeah. So, only a small amount showed on the sonogram, and only a small amount showed on the MRI. As a matter of fact, so when I had bilateral mastectomies done, they obviously go through the tissue, and my breast surgeon said your right breast was littered with cancer, mm-hmm. and I had it ended up being a seven centimeter mass and another three centimeter mass underneath oh, it. What? So, yeah, I had a lot of cancer in my breast, and. The mammogram showed nothing. I did did not feel any pain or? I had no pain. I had no discharge. I had no inverted nipples. I had no, the only thing that I felt was the week prior to my diagnosis, we were in California on vacation and I, we landed and I was like, I am so tired. I just Mm. need a nap. Now I'm like the master of the six minute nap, you know, (laughs) like I can lay down six minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Let's go.
0: I laid down.
2: Yeah, I lay down, and like four hours later, everyone's like, "Are you getting up?" And I was like, "I'm just so tired. I don't know why I'm so tired. I just and and I mean, obviously, maybe was- it was related. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But if you look at the pictures, I'm like, that is like I was like in great health. We're biking over the Golden Gate Bridge. You know, it's it's just weird. It's so weird.
0: And during that time, who were you your biggest supporters? who did you turn to?
2: This is such an interesting question. So I wasn't really um, immersed into the breast cancer community like I am now. Um, I have I had a few friends. I had one very good friend who had been through breast cancer, although her journey was a little bit different. She had ductal carcinoma. She had a lumpectomy radiation. I had a mastectomies and chemo. So it was a little bit different, um, but she was a really amazing help. And I have another friend who Honestly, was never diagnosed with cancer, but just knew how to show up every single time. Just no. knew. It wasn't even like, do you need something? It was like, I'm coming to take you to chemo. Yeah. Um, you know, my my parents obviously were amazing support. My kids were amazing support. So I was very lucky.
1: And what, what prompts you to start taking photographs of images of breast cancer?
2: Yeah. So um, when I was... Told that I, well, when I decided to have mastectomies, I should put it that way. When I decided to have mastectomies, um, I started looking through the internet for before and after pictures. Mm-hmm. If you Google like before and after mastectomy photos, it's frightening. It's a horror show, mm-hmm. what you see. Um, at least it was back then. It was about four years ago. So uh, it was just a horror show. And it wasn't really on social media. People weren't really showing photos like this. Mm-hmm. It's very personal, it's very vulnerable. Um, And I just thought to myself, I want to take pictures of myself every single step of the way so I can remember, even if I had to put it in a book and show it to my children when they get older, if they want to know. But I also think it reminds us, it helps us remember what we've been through, where we came from. And sometimes some of the emotions, good, bad, and otherwise are good to remember. So I decided to do that. And then during chemo, um, I photographed a breast cancer survivor, and it was like the most amazing exchange of healing energy I've ever had in my entire life. And I was like, whoa, I need to do this more often. Um, but essentially what I wanted to do was really, um, well, I'll tell you a fast story. I was At the time, I was writing for a website called The Well. They're, they might even have it up there still. I wrote a bunch of articles about what it was like to have breast cancer and go through treatment and whatnot. And I would send them pictures every month of what I was going through at the time. So they they went to publish my first article. They sent me um, a proof of it, and in it was a selfie I took of myself without my shirt on, um, in my bathroom mirror. It was like a week after surgery, two weeks after surgery, something like that, and I like was looking over the article and I went, <gasps> And I was like, "I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like this is crazy, because this is like my neighbor's gonna see it, and my dad's mm-hmm. going to see it. And my best friend's husband's going to see it. And, you know, like, like this is very raw, you know. Yes, yes. Um, And I, I just, like, I said to them, I don't know if I could show it. And they said, no, we think that this is probably the most important part of the entire article. We really don't want to take it out. And I said, okay, let me sleep on it. So um, <laughs> my mom, who's like the cutest thing ever, I remember her saying to me, do me a favor, when this is all said and done, don't go all over the internet showing your boobies everywhere. And I was like, mm, it's kind of like you don't even know me, right? So I I went to her and I went to my dad and I said, look, I have to tell you something. I am, I am showing, I'm going to show this picture. It's really uncomfortable for me. I feel like crawling under my car and hiding for the entire rest of the year. But I think that this is the point, right? If we don't start normalizing yes. this, then – like if i'm not going to do it who is going to do it because the right. truth is that that i needed my cancer to have purpose it couldn't just yes. be cancer it had to have purpose yes. so they i said to them i'm not asking you permission but i'm letting you know so you're not surprised when it comes out or when your neighbor down the street sees it or whatever and they said okay you know we support you and we love you And once you rip off the Band-Aid, it's like, oh, whatever, everybody, you know. (laughs) So (laughs) what happened was I get an amazing response from the people that are in my life, um, all the people in my life. And like the guy down the street that was like, I can't, I saw your article and it was amazing. And you're so brave. And PS, we all think you're hot. You know, like he was like, so sweet. He's yeah. like, don't tell my wife, but we all love you. You know, like, like <laughs> he's very, very sweet. People were stopping me at the grocery store. It was like, you know, it was really, really nice. But the point is it, that wasn't why I was doing it. The point is that I was really doing it because I wanted to normalize breast cancer bodies. I wanted people to see, look, this is me two weeks after surgery. And although it's ugly, you know, it's not what we're used to. I have no nipples and it's, At the same time, look at how good I look for two weeks after a mastectomy. There's hope that you're not going to just be laying in bed and, and be, you know a cripple for for all this time like look at how fast my body's healing so resilient
1: mm-hmm. it's like, yeah that's amazing yeah.
2: so i just kind of continue that and i take pictures every single step of the way so i can remember so other people can see i mean today on instagram i posted a photo of myself after surgery it's one week after surgery i had bruises everywhere and drains coming out i didn't know what a drain looked like like the doctors like you're going to have four drains i'm like what are drains you know, like there's no reason for a 41 year old woman who is in amazing health to know what a drain is. What a drain is, right? Yes. So I wanted people to see, look, this is a drain. This is and it hurts. Yeah, does it look swollen? Yeah. It, it hurts. And um, that's, that's another thing,
0: also that you mentioned that I thought was very impactful: the uh, the, the side effects of breast cancer. Yeah. We're looking at the breast, but there's more to it than breast cancer. So can can you tell us? Yeah. What type of uh, surgery you had recently?
2: Yeah. I always say breast cancer is a, a disease of the brain just as much as it is of the breast. Yeah. Um, yes. It really is. Um, so I had uh, mastectomies, double mastectomies. I had four reconstruction surgeries and I just had my ovaries out about two and a half weeks ago, prophylactically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Although I had some mixed pathology come back. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Cancer is full of surprises. It's just lovely. Um, But it's going to be fine. I'm just not putting energy into it right now. It's going to be fine. So yeah, I've had six major surgeries in the last four years and some pretty close together. Like I had one in July, 2020 and one in December, 2020. And then again, you know, just now. um, So it's been, and I had eight rounds of chemotherapy. So yeah, it's a lot for your body to go through. It's a lot. There are a lot of days like today, for example, I just don't feel great in mm-hmm. my own skin and i hate that i've like gained some weight and i'm in menopause and I, my hair is dry my skin looks you look terrible you,
0: you look fabulous like, they fabulous. may not see you but we see you <laughs> thank you thank you, you
2: know, and then i was gonna say there's other days where i'm like hey you know for everything i've been through like all right
0: another thing also in regards to the photography you've been taking pictures of other women going through breast cancer yeah and i think that's beautiful.
2: Yeah. It's really important for me because I get to show them that that woman still exists within them. And when I say that, what I mean is that we are completely different people after cancer. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm four years out and I'm still like, wow, I don't even really know who I am. Like I'm still working on who I am after cancer. And we're so different. It takes us time to once again, grow into our skin and understand who we are. So when I say to them, I want to show you that woman still exists. What I mean by that is that resilience and that fire and that strength mm-hmm. exists even more now than it did before. And I'm mm-hmm. not trying to show you that, oh, look, you're the same person you were before cancer because you are not you and you not. never will be. No. you will never. But that there's a new person, like a phoenix almost, right? Coming out and rising. And I want to show you who that person is. And in turn, I see how strong and resilient and amazing they are. And I go, oh, am I that too? Like, I need to remember that I'm that. Yes. So that's what I mean by that exchange of energy.
1: And some people talk about, don't talk about, you know, the invisible sides of breast cancer, like the fear, like the sadness, mm-hmm. you know, PTSD and financial mm-hmm. isolation. Can you can you talk a little bit on that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um... <sighs> It's a it's a really tough one for me to talk about. I, I'm actually really struggling with it a lot today if I'm being really honest. I'm having a tough day today and I'll explain why in a minute, but um I thought when cancer was over, when treatment was over, cancer was over.
1: Right. And so does
2: the rest of the world. Yes. And so I had my last chemotherapy on December 27th, 2017. And that, that date is significant because I made it. I was adamant about I have to be done in 2017. I do not want chemo. Yeah. Until January 2nd. Mm -hmm. I do do not want it to carry over to 2018. I'm going to get my life back. I'm going to start getting my life back. So chemo ended at the end of 2017. Uh, A few weeks into 2017, I start taking, or 2018, excuse me, I start taking tamoxifen, which is an estrogen blocker for anybody that doesn't know because my cancer was estrogen fed. And about a week or so later, I'm calling my doctor going, uh, I think I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> so, um, I need you to help me. I need you to do something about this. I don't know if it's the medication or if I'm, you know, depressed or like what's going on, but I'm having suicidal thoughts for the first time in my entire life. Ooh. And so she took me off the medication, which helped a bit. And, um, I, that's when I first got a glimpse of the fact that your life it's like you have no idea who you are, what you just went through. Everybody else is expecting you to just fit back into life. And people shame you. They, If you're like, oh, I don't feel great. They go, well, just be happy. Aren't you happy you're alive? Oh my God. Know, like, anybody
1: would say that.
2: Or they put like, undue pressure on you, like, oh, you're gonna be the kind of woman that goes and runs a marathon after this, you know? Like really? I can't even walk downstairs without oh, feeling breathless. Yes. Like I, I'm I'm exhausted. <laughs> you right. know? Like I just they try um, to help,
1: but it's not. Yeah.
2: There's just a lot of like everybody's like, you're good now, you're good now, right? And this is self serving as well. Okay. They want you to be good, but it's also it's also for their own emotions. And this is a really tough subject to talk about because they're not wrong in how they're feeling and they're trying to show love. Like there's a lot of things that people say that are the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life yeah. that yeah. aren't wrong, but they're incredibly insensitive.
1: insensitive. And, yep. But
2: There's no way that they would know that unless they've been through it. And and I can tell you that because one of my best friends was recently diagnosed with cancer, breast
1: Me cancer. Too. Same, not breast cancer, but liver cancer. Yeah. yeah
2: it's awful. I'm so sorry to hear um, she went through chemo. She just had a mastectomy last week and she called me and said to me, like, did I say any of these dumb things to you? I think I said these dumb things to you. And I was like, you did, but you didn't know better. And I love you. And I, and I know you're coming from a place of love, so I can forgive and I can understand. And she was just like, I'm so sorry, but I didn't know. And I was like, how could you know?
0: Right? Yeah, Unless you're going through that, you have to take that road.
2: Yeah. So it's just a matter of really like educating people on what life is really like after breast cancer and what it's like, or any cancer, I would assume. And what it's like is really messed up. (laughs) It's really, (laughs) really messed up.
1: Well said. Yeah,
2: Yeah. It's not to say it's not good or there's not joyous times or happy times, or there's not like a new sense of uh, perspective and, and love and fun, but also it comes with a heavy dose of fear, PTSD, anxiety, and um, longing sometimes for your old life. Like, I don't wish I was that person that I was before, but I wish that my life...
0: The simplicity.
2: The simplicity of my life will never be back. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just went recently for a sonogram and it was the first time I walked into that office since I was diagnosed with cancer. And I just was thinking as I was walking through the door, the last time I walked through the door was the last moment that I never had to think about cancer in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it was really emotional.
0: Cancer will always be part of you.
2: That's right. That's right. And that's what people don't understand. Cancer doesn't end. You might not have it anymore and thank God and you could celebrate and you could be happy about that. But you know what? Are you at the doctor's appointments with me every three months, every six months? Are you at the CAT scans, the PET scans, the blood work, the sonograms, the ovarian biopsies, the you know, like all the all the different things. Like, no, it's not done. What do you mean?
0: It's never gonna be done, yeah. And yeah. even if you even if you get to the point of, you know, where they tell you no longer have cancer. There's still a lot of the things that you've gone through that ultimately. It's part
1: the PTSD. You. It, it, you can't it, It's yes, hard to Yes, But also, get you, you are a too, different yeah. person for Ever. Ever.
0: For, for, True. forever. True. Ever.
2: Right. Yeah. So, everybody's like, okay, it's time to go back to carpool and be a mom and cook lunches. Oh, and you're no, like, no. I yes. just, my world is spinning. Like, what do you mean I have to go back to my life? Like, I don't know how to fit into that life anymore. Mm-hmm. There's things I can do still. Yes, I can pick up carpool and I can make a school lunch. But there's other things like the things that were so were important before are so much more important now. And the things that were not so important are so much less important. And it it really makes you take toll of your life. I mean, I mentioned to you guys before we were recording that I'm going through a divorce. And so that's partially related because I finally put my foot down about certain things that I used to be a, a doormat for, you know, or, um, you know, just setting a lot of boundaries with people. Like I've become a boundary master. Um, You know, it's, there's a lot of things that change that. And so it brings, it's like your vibe attracts your tribe, right? It like brings certain people into your life and it removes certain people from your life. And there's a lot of adjustment.
1: Yes. Um, how can, and you talked about this, how can people be more useful? And what are some of the things to, you talked about the things they can avoid saying, but how can they be more useful and more helpful to mm-hmm. someone who's undergoing this?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> they can watch my YouTube channel and look at the where I say, stop saying these stupid things, please. people. <laughs>
0: I was in tears watching that first show. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. Really
0: yeah. That you had breast cancer. It was very touching. And that's another thing that I find very, you are so raw and you're just putting yourself out there. And I understand you're doing it because you want to make sure that people can see what it is, people can mm-hmm. see that they're not alone. Yeah. But you are really strong. Thank you. Very vulnerable to just, you know, put it all out there.
2: Yeah. I will uh, tell you that I think, um, to, to answer your question a little more directly, I think women are really bad at accepting help. We're really good at giving it, but we're very bad at accepting it. So I remember one of my close friends said to me when I was diagnosed, like, oh, you are the hardest thing for you is going to be to accept help. And she was right. I was very like, nope, don't. I don't need dinner. I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't want to trouble you. I don't want to put you out of your way. So what I would say is, um, first of all, I learned that that was pushing away love and it was yeah. not receiving love. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped doing it. So even if I don't need the dinner or I don't need the ride, I accept it because people mm-hmm. it's also people's way of wanting to be part of your journey. It's important for them to say, oh, I was there for Jen when she yes. used it, you it. Know? Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is don't ask, just do. So don't say, do you need dinner? dropped dinner off don't ask just do it that. i love
1: that yeah um,
2: you know just do that. it i left it on the front step no need to answer the door <laughs> you know like i know you're tired i left it there i'm thinking about you have a great day you know like don't one of the weird things is when you're going through surgery and you're going through chemo and people want to come see you and it's like you're you're like entertaining all the time
1: yes it's be so exhausting oh my god
2: like yeah please bring the food so i could serve it to other people because i'm tired <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they don't get it they really feel like they're helping you they feel that perhaps you're feeling lonely and they, yes, they want to be there and, for you
2: Cancer is a very lonely disease, very, yeah. very lonely disease, unfortunately. No matter how much support you have, you're yeah. going through it alone.
0: You're alone. You That's,
1: That's yeah. right. Yeah.
0: That's right. And what are, what are you going to do with, uh, well, first of all, those people that come to see you as a photographer, as a boudoir photographer, to take their pictures, are you planning to do a book with that? Because the work is so beautiful. Thank you. I need to do
2: more with it. It's possible. Um, I'm working now with my breast, uh, with my plastic surgeon, um, to, to work a lot with some of his patients or whatnot. We're talking about maybe doing a book together. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's hard for me because like the stories are so personal and my right. my moments with them are so intimate that it feels mm-hmm. like a betrayal to put it in a book and then give it to everybody else.
1: Right. Um,
2: okay. but maybe, maybe one day.
1: And in- Speaking of books, I believe you have a you've just written a book. Is that correct?
2: So yeah, over uh, the pandemic, I wrote a book. Um, I'm not Thank going to curse, but God. it's <laughs> there's a naughty word in there. So I'll tell you, it's called it's called What the F Just Happened, but it's, uh-huh. it's really.
1: I love it. I love the title because, you know, I've been told that I have a bit of a potty mouth.
2: (laughs) I do do have a potty mouth too, but I'm trying to respect your podcast. So it's called a survivor's guide to life after breast cancer. And it is on Amazon. And and anytime, you know, when I was sitting down and I wrote the book and I titled it after I wrote the book, Mm -hmm. because I just kept thinking like, what title can encompass exactly how you feel? And so I just, I I named it like, you know, I titled it like five other things before I I settled on this title because I just, I, nothing seemed to really hit the mark, you know? And I sat down and I thought to myself, what was I thinking when, when I realized that survivorship was going to be so much harder than being Mm. a patient? What was I thinking? You know, what was I thinking in the first few months after I finished chemo? Mm. The only thing I can think of is like, what the F just happened? Right. (laughs) What the F just happened? Did I cut my boots off? Did I go through chemo? Did I pop myself f- full of poison? Who oh, does that? No, you know? It's so it's like that tidal wave comes over you after everybody else is sort of accepted it and dealt with it and whatnot. It's just first hitting you. And it's just that that what the F just happened was very, that's all I can think of. So. <laughs> It's
1: to the point. I, I love, the love point. that yes, title. Yes. I mean, it's it's that's how you feel Like you've <laughs> gone through something mm-hmm. like that, jarring to the system. You know, your whole life is just been turned upside down. Perfect title. I love it.
2: Yeah, thank looking
1: you. forward to reading it. Yes, that too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's a
2: quick read. It's you know, it's a bunch of chapters that basically I just talk about a lot of different topics that breast cancer survivors deal with, like femininity and relationships and boundaries and fear and emotional spiritual physical health and you know how to cl- cleanse your life not just of stuff but people and things mm-hmm. that weigh you down and um you know how to rediscover your femininity and you know, a tiny little bit about sex. I don't talk a lot about sex in there, but, you know, just, just, I was like, my family's like already been through enough. I I don't, I can't. (laughs) TMI. You've already
0: put your boobs out there.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. Um, so, you know, just, um, yeah. And it's funny because, you know, I'm, I just I feel like I'm just going through so much. And a friend of mine said to me, you have like three books in you. I'm like, great. I'm going to be like, what the F just happened trilogy over here. This is really <laughs> what I want to be known for.
1: <laughs> I love that. You talked about you mentioned spirituality. And I'm wondering going through something like that. um what did you turn to? Did you meditate? Like, cause I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one thing that, you know, you need some sort of grounding of sorts.
2: Yeah. You know, I would love to tell you, and this is what I think we think cancer patients should be right. Like I would love to tell you that I was diagnosed with cancer and I went to yoga every day and I meditated and I drank green juice and I went vegan and I did none no. of that. I <laughs> ate tables and brownies and I survived oh everything. Yes, yes, comfort.
1: Comfort food. Yes. Comfort
2: food. And also like when you have chemo, you can't taste anything. It's like really weird. So you need ah, like super salty, okay. super sweet or super spicy. It was like the only thing you could taste. And um I stopped going to yoga. I stopped meditating. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually am Reiki certified. I w I didn't have the energy to even do Reiki on myself. Like I lost it all. Like I just mm-hmm. was sucked dry. Um, I might've even lost a little faith.
1: Yes. And that mm-hmm. might be part of it because yeah. yeah. I just
2: That's- didn't understand. Yeah. I just didn't, I couldn't. I
1: couldn't. The, the Why me? me? Why me? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: You know, it's weird. I didn't have a why me mentality because I knew that I was chosen for this journey. Like, that's how I felt that this was happening for me, not to me. I was chosen for this journey. But what I didn't understand was, and I still don't, and it's a little bit of what I'm struggling with today. So I might get emotional. How do I have faith and surrender and trust when something like this happens? It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you then say, okay, I trust you universe, you know, or God or whatever you call your higher power, you know, how do I, how do I trust you? How do I, you know, so I grapple with that a little bit. And I, um, I think it's also a disconnect between your body and yourself. Like I talk in the book about forgiving your body. And what I, what I said was that, first it was very angry at my body. Like, why would you turn against me? I am not done here. I don't understand. Like, why would you care of you? Right. I'm taking care of you. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. But What I, what I learned along the way through my, you know, really sitting and thinking about it was that my body and I were on the same team. The cancer was, was the adversary. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. yes.
2: Okay. My body didn't want the cancer any more than the cancer wanted, you know, whatever. So, But what happened was the other day when I went, um, for example, I hope I'm answering your question. I'm just rambling. Yes, you are. Okay. (laughs) So what happened was the other day when I went for my surgical follow-up after removing my ovaries, and I expected them to just say, okay, great, you're good, everything's fine, because I was just removing my ovaries prophylactically, and there was no reason for me to feel that anything was wrong, and I had had sonograms, and my ovaries looked good, and they looked good to the surgeon's eyes. Like, everything looked good. So when they found some tumors in my ovaries, I was like, what do you mean? You know, like, and and also if they're growing there, then where else is there something growing? And why is my body a, a breeding grounds for cancer? Like, what is going on here? I'm taking care of you. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> it, yes. you know? What else
0: can I do? You know, it's like, I've been doing the right things.
2: Yeah, but what I've noticed is that first of all I'm going to well I said to her I started crying and I said to her what am I doing wrong just tell me what I'm doing wrong and I'll fix it and she said to me you're not doing anything wrong and I said to her well that's not a good answer either because if you tell me I'm not doing anything wrong then I can't change it
0: yes yes
2: so that helplessness is what is so difficult about the whole thing so I'm supposed to surrender and have faith and believe in a higher power and at the same time why? What are you doing? I'm not done here. I have work to do. I'm a good person, you know? Like I I I don't understand what's happening. So um what I will say is this I have rediscovered a lot of my spirituality over the last six months, especially. Um, it doesn't look like it did before. Mm-hmm. But um
0: nothing will be like it used to yeah, be. Yeah, but it's new. It's new. And, new.
2: and I, I and I have a crazy story i could tell you if you want to hear it <laughs> okay yeah you guys are either gonna think i'm like amazing after this or totally bananas oh, we think
1: you're <laughs> amazing already so go so ahead we can
0: add the bananas yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay good i like bananas all right so um i'm trying i hope i get the story right because it's like a little bit of a blur all right so years ago a few a few years ago, maybe it wasn't years ago maybe it was a year or so ago I was listening to maybe a book. Maybe it was a Gabby Bernstein book or something. I don't really remember, but it was a book or a podcast. It was something I was listening to. And they were talking about how you could do a meditation to learn your spirit guide's name. Everybody has a spirit guide and they all have a name and you can learn your spirit guide's name so you can communicate better. And I was like... All right, I got nothing to do. Why not? You know, <laughs> so I did this meditation, and it immediately came to me that Angela was my spirit guide's name. Now Angela's a very weird name to me because I felt like it was Angel, right, and it's like, okay, are you joking with me like it's too it's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy, it's so cliche, like come on, you know, but i I just heard angela and i so I kind of always doubted it, but I went with it, and I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> So this this was like probably, a, like I said, a year, or a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, so the other day I went to, there's a salt cave in my town and I went to the salt cave and there was a woman there who does readings and she does Reiki and, and whatnot. Now I have was suffering greatly from my surgery. I actually... In my surgery, I had a lot of nerve damage, and I had a stomach issue. Like I couldn't eat after for like two weeks after surgery. Every time I ate, I I was like doubled over in pain. I don't know why. So, I went there, and she did her healing and whatnot. And then she said, "Okay, some people have come to me." Um, so she read four people in the room, and I was the last one that she read. So she said she started with um. Had, who here has had a miscarriage? And I raised my hand and then I put my hand down because I was like, oh, it was like a hundred years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, "No, no, no, it's you. Did you put your hand up? I said, yeah. she said, no, it's you." She said, um, did, it, it was a girl, Did you know it was a girl?" And I said, no, I didn't know. I had a miscarriage around 12 weeks. I said, I didn't know, didn't know it was a girl." And she said to me, Um, just so you know, it's nothing that you did. This soul decided not to come into this earth. It was her decision, not yours. And she has a name. Did you name her? And I said, no, I didn't name her. And she said, well, her name is Angel.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: So she said to me, um, she, and I'm very big on signs, like the universe and I communicate through signs, right? All the time. So I said, she said to me, Angela, uh, Angela, Angel wants you to know if you ask her for a sign, she'll send it to you. Mm. So um, after the healing was over, I closed my eyes for a few minutes and I said, okay, Angel, I believe you. You know, I believe that you exist. I want you to show me angel wings. And so I was leaving the event. I was with two girlfriends and they were like, let's go around the corner to grab something to eat. As we're walking to the restaurant, my friend turns to me and goes, I love this place because they have angel wings painted on the wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> we walk in, there's these big neon angel wings. And I was like, okay. okay. That's your sign. That's your sign. Okay. Wow, and then the other day, I mean, it's, ha- and I've had it, seen it a lot since. And then the other day, you know, and it's one thing to see angel wings like, you know, in a, on a wall or something. The other day I was walking on the beach. And I found the shell. I have to send you guys the picture because you'll freak when you see it. Yeah. I'm actually gonna send it to you. So um, the shell was like open, and just the way it was laying, it looked exactly like angel the wings.
1: Wings, yes. And was
2: like, what the heck? So of course I like picked it up and took it home. But anyway, the point is, I'm sending it to you right now on Instagram so you guys can see it, and you'll see what I saw. The point is that. Um, I do believe I'm connected. Like there is a connection. I do believe yes. that connection, but it still has oh, not yet.
0: Level. Just saw the picture.
2: Sorry. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. I'm, I'm still, I have to remember sometimes that like, we're not meant to understand certain things. Yes.
1: It's difficult. And to we're, we don't
2: even have to like certain things.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they
2: might be for our better good. And I just don't know why you know, but um, that was a really long answer to your question about spirituality. But I, I am starting again. And by the way, the next day I could eat again. It was the weirdest thing. For two weeks I couldn't oh, eat.
0: Wow. And then,
2: and it wasn't even the next day. It was at night when we went out to dinner. It was like the first time I ate without pain. And I was like, okay, there's something to this whole thing. There's something to yes. it. It reminded me that I need to get back to my Reiki. I need to get yes. back to my yoga. And yes. it's, it's been long enough and it's time to go back.
0: Yes. And I, and I think you need also to... Uh, you need to remember that you are making such a big impact for so many women out there. Thank you.
2: Well, being an empath is not easy in this scenario because I take on people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, when my friend had her mastectomy a week ago, I was a disaster all day. You know, like I was just she was fine, I was a disaster. You know,
0: um, <laughs> you took on all the energy yes, for you her. Did.
2: It's really, really hard for me to learn the difference between holding space and taking on somebody's emotions. Mm. I'm really struggling with that, and I and I do think that that's part of. There's two things that I think create issues in my body. One of them is that, and the second is stress.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And want
1: you mentioned the stress because yeah. like, you hear about you it you all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, stress. Um, yes, I I <laughs> personally believe that my breast cancer. And look, I'll never know why I got breast cancer. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this this is just a theory, Mm -hmm. but I know my body pretty well. Uh it's the same theory, like uh it's the same you know, I say like I know my body well, there's no coincidence that I chose right now to remove my ovaries. Like all of a sudden I I, like literally woke up one day and I was like, it's time to remove my ovaries and I went and took care of it. You know, it's like my intuition was like, okay, we gotta do something about this. You know, I had no indication
0: exactly, yes. Yes.
1: Yes.
0: If you had not done that, who knows? Yeah
2: well, I do know, I mean, yeah, you know, like true. I do know it was, it would have been bad. So, um, I forgot why I was saying this, but the, what was the question that I said?
1: Uh, you were talking in stress. We were talking about oh, stress. And the yeah. 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 Sorry. I was right. emotions. Emotions.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'll never know exactly why I got cancer or why my body's a breeding ground for this type of thing. But I do believe, and I still believe that it's stress. I I do believe that I got cancer from stress and not just stress. It's, it's not stress like, Oh, I'm so stressed at work. What it is, is more of like a stress of, um, holding in my emotions and not being able to express myself Mm -hmm. and not setting up proper boundaries in my relationships and, being unhappy in certain places, but shoving it under the rug because it's better for the children or, you know, like things like that. Um, no doubt in my mind. And so that was part of what was so shocking the other day when they told me that they saw something in my ovaries. I was like, okay, well, we're, we still haven't cleaned this up enough. So like, what's going on? We need to do even more. Right. Um because I feel it. And I feel since cancer happened, like the fight or flight is so much more prevalent. Like I I feel Mm -hmm. it so much more like the sirens, my body is sending off Mm -hmm. now. Like I used to be able to push things under the rug. Now I can't. Now it's like, like even earlier today, I had a conversation with somebody. They said something that was a little like off center for me. And all afternoon I'm like, it's not right. Something's not right there, and I gotta figure out what that is because
0: you have to vocalize. You have to vocalize. Yes, it. you can't keep these things inside.
2: You I even know. feel it. Like I feel right in my throat today. I'm feeling a lot of stress in my throat. Is I don't know if you can hear. My voice is a little raspy right now. A little raspy. There's something in there. It's not. It's stuck. Mm-hmm. I gotta mm-hmm. get it out. You gotta you know? get it out. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just believe like to have cancer so close to the heart in that way like there's there is something spiritually connected there so i need to fix that for sure
0: wow, wow. jen this was amazing and what so a beautiful amazing. conversation we could go on forever can you believe we've been talking for 45 minutes
2: <laughs> i believe that i can i brevity
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was so amazing thank you thank you for sharing all of that your life your pretty much your life story that you shared with us we truly appreciate it and we will encourage everyone to start following you because the pictures that you have out there are so amazing thank you and also your youtube channel yes That's so please place tell also. yes tell mm-hmm. our audience yeah. how they can find you
2: yeah instagram is uh my my handles at jen rosenbaum which is j-e-n-r-o-z-e-n-b-a-u-m um I, it's pretty much my life story there <laughs> so mm-hmm. i put up every post every day real time what's on my mind um Some fun sort one, of,
0: too. what's that you've got some fun ones too yeah
2: i mean I, I like to you know we have to laugh a little yeah. um can't, cancer can't be serious all the time no. <laughs> um but yeah it's sort of my little uh digital journal for of social media and then my youtube channel is just youtube.com forward slash jen rosenbaum and i talk about a lot of different topics there and like things i'll talk about on instagram i get into more detail on the youtube channel mm-hmm. and i've made videos like i used to make videos once a week after my mastectomy mm-hmm. and once every time i had chemo so so people knew what I was good you know so if anyone's going through that journey they can see like oh right okay yeah, why, like, yeah, this, you know <laughs> where she's at it two weeks three weeks because I get that question a lot like am I going to be able to work am I going to be able to drive right. and, look everybody's different but if you want to see I don't remember so I made this you know video journal and you can see
1: thank you so much this was really amazing and your work is absolutely fabulous thank you for all that you do
2: Thank you. And thank you guys for inviting me. And um, I'm sending you a lot of love and a lot of love for your friend as well. Thank you. Same here. Thank you guys.
1: In honor of Breast Cancer Month, we have selected a rosé, the Dopf
0: Cremant D'Alsace Brut Rosé. Ooh, Cremant d'Alsace. Cremant. Ooh. Remember on that first show with Vicky?
1: Absolutely. We That's the first time. About,
0: exactly. We found out about Cremant. And we
1: wanted to try it. And now we finally have the mm-hmm. Cremant.
0: Yes. And for anybody who's listening, this was the show with Vicky from uh, Bubbly Side of Life. She mentioned Cremant, and finally, there it is. Here it is. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. And I like that you chose a rosé. Of course, of course.
1: Breast Cancer Month, we mm-hmm. have to honor that.
0: So and- what's the price point for this um, this rosé?
1: Well, on Vivino, the average price is listed at $8.69, but you know mm. in New York City, you <laughs> paid $21.95 for this. Okay.
0: It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. But the taste is very different it from is anything different. that we've had so far.
1: I don't and I don't know how to mm. put my finger on it, but on the reviews on the website, they mentioned that the cremant, this one is a Pinot mm. Blanc,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but this one is actually, it's really a Pinot Noir. Maybe that's why the
0: taste is so mm. different. It's really interesting. I don't, I'm not, you know, usually I'm always like, oh yes, I can taste the beer and mm. none of that. I'm not tasting any pears. So it's produced with Pinot Noir, Blanc de Noir as well. Uh, It pairs very well with fish, chicken, lean fish, and appetizers. Okay. People have mentioned strawberries. I don't taste strawberries. I don't, but I taste the tangerine. I I do. I do. There's definitely
1: a citrusy aftertaste Mm -hmm. to this.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: What do you think? It's not... it's okay. No, yeah. it's okay. I think it's the for me. It's the mm-hmm. aftertaste mm-hmm.
0: That, that that does it for me. That I'm it not like yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not, not loving it. I'm not. It's loving not horrible. It. It's not horrible. As if any alcohol. Would That's be true. Horrible. Well said. Because well said. <laughs> we will always drink it, but I will have to say that this does not get a thumbs up. From no, me. no. Mm-mm.
1: It doesn't get a thumbs down for me either because it's not. Terrible.
0: Maybe a thumbs in the middle. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you why it gets a thumbs down. If I was given the, the opportunity to buy it again, I, I may wouldn't. not buy it. Mm. Uh-huh. I wonder if we try, a, yeah, maybe a yeah. different dump wine.
1: So just for that, I would give it a thumbs down. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, unfortunately, mm-hmm. this this rosé doesn't do it for us. No,
0: it does not. Mm -mm, but we're still gonna drink it that's right here's to that here's to the um breast cancer month yes
1: yes and here's to all of the people we've lost Mm to breast cancer and other cancers yes
0: yes and also to the people that have survived absolutely and thank you jen for this wonderful Wonderful. conversation wonderful it was Mm -hmm. great
1: thank you for listening to bubbles of wisdom podcast if you like this episode, please share it with your BFFs. You can find all our information and join our mailing list at bubblesofwisdom.com.
0: You want to keep this conversation going. Follow us on social media Instagram at Bubbles of Wisdom, Facebook Bubbles of Wisdom, and of course Twitter at Bubbles underscore wisdom.